Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Get ready to meet James Reese Europe, one of the big bangs in black music. He brought black music to Carnegie Hall. He has this incredible story of serving, choosing to serve in the First World War. Jason Moran will tell you about writing a whole album to pay tribute to James Reese Europe. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I mean, this is a real composer. Like, he's out in the battlefield with a little portable reed organ writing melodies. He's in the hospital recovering from an injury, writing music. <laughs> so he's, he's truly doesn't give any boundary to where inspiration comes from. That's Jason Moran talking about one of America's most important Black composers and musicians, James Reese Europe. I'm Talia Schlanker, sitting in for Tom Power here on Q. Jason Moran is no slouch himself, of course. He is an incredibly acclaimed jazz pianist and an award-winning visual artist. And recently he was captivated by the story of James Reese Europe. So captivated that his latest album is a tribute to James. Now, if this is the first you're hearing of his name, James Reese Europe was a violinist, composer, and band leader in the early 20th century. He laid the groundwork for jazz at that time. He challenged racial barriers in massive ways. And what he did in the dance halls of America and also in the battlefields of Europe in the First World War was so influential that you would hope he'd become a household name. In 1881, James Reese Europe is born in Mobile, Alabama. And in the pre-dawn of the Great Migration, his parents moved up to Washington, D.C. because they knew. It is in D.C. that James begins to take violin lessons from Joseph Douglas, the grandson of Frederick Douglass. Because Douglas innately knew that liberation... That's a little bit of From the Dance Hall to the Battlefield, the title track of Jason Moran's latest album. Jason calls James Reese Europe one of the, quote, big bangs in black music and asks us to meditate on that. Jason Moran spoke to Tom Power from New York a little while back to help do just that. Here's their conversation. Hi, uh, how are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. I love the record, Jason. Thanks. (laughs) Um, It's really beautiful, man. 
<laughs> I'm always getting nervous when when a new piece of you know information gets hits the world because it really does feel like uh, well now you just wait for the 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 wave to come back to the shore and so you, thanks for the good the good vibe. Yeah, man. Um, tell me a little bit about James Reese Europe. It's, it's a pretty incredible story. A violinist, he was a band leader. Can you tell us about this concert he did in Carnegie Hall? I think it was in 1912. That was really yeah. influential. Of course, it's one of the first times or the first times a concert of all black music with an all black orchestra of singers and instrumentalists and 125 musicians at that. Like, first of all, you know, look, your great grand orchestras, you know, are barely touching that. And somehow James Reese Europe has the organizational skill. He has the technical capacity to organize these musicians, some of whom read music, some who don't. And it's and it's such an ordeal that people are, you know, standing outside blocking 57th Street, trying to get into Carnegie Hall to hear this concert. And what he effectively does is he claims and stakes claim that black music has its own vernacular and that it deserves the study and deserves the care that you would give to Beethoven, Mozart, whomever else. And he's, he claims and states it so clearly in this first concert of 1912 that, of course, he comes back in 1913 and he becomes the serious rage of all of New York City. Who is this James Reese Europe that is leading us not only to the canon of black music, but also writing his own versions in it as well? I mean, it would have been incredible to think about what would have happened had the next thing not happened, which is that mm. World, World War One happens. Mm -hmm. And James Reese Europe, like um, a lot of men of his generation, he enlists to serve. Mm -hmm. And he serves mm -hmm. in a, a very famous um, regiment called the 369th Infantry mm -hmm. Regiment, made up mainly of black soldiers, uh, some Canadian soldiers in there. They become known, though, as the Harlem Hellfighters. Can you tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about this period in his life, a little mm -hmm. bit about why it's important to, under to understand that period of his life? Sure. I mean, you have to also consider James Reese Europe is incredibly famous at this point of his life, too. So, you know, he's also making music kind of as the dance hall king, you know, writing music for a dancing couple called Vernon and Irene Castle. So everybody wants his music, um, but he decides to enlist because I think there's something inherent to people seeking freedom. Uh, that pushes them to the edge of everything and they, they'll they put their body on the line. So he really enlists to go fight in the war. But when they learn that this famous musician <laughs> has signed up, they say, wait, can you lead the band? And he, of course, pulls together an, an incredible band of musicians that will not only lift the, the, the soldier spirits, but also bring the music that he's kind of like, you know, bubbling New York City with, he's going to bring it to France. And it's, an, it's a tremendous moment, but it's like considering, you know, like if Rihanna decides to sign up for the war, I mean, yeah. you're like, whoa, yeah. you know, it's a real commitment. I've heard you talk um, about this, that you saw some symbolism mm. in... James Reese Europe and a largely black infantry going back across the Atlantic on a boat. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, you have to also consider, right, the, you know, in the middle passage, when when scores and millions of Africans are, are taken from their homeland onto these ships to be sold into chattel slavery for centuries, you know, centuries, not decades, but centuries, that here is a moment where now a newly freed people have decided to do something for a country that has, quite frankly, promised them little or nothing to try to achieve something for a kind of unity that they imagine America can be. And here they are on this boat going back across the Atlantic for the first time, you know, like this same Atlantic that centuries before, you know, had them bound and underneath the, the, the ship. It's, I mean, it's tragic. And there was this story that one of James Reese Europe's right hands, Noble Sissel wrote in an account about how the soldiers, once they got closer to France, they would start, the lights would go low at night, be a dark blue light, and they would play the song really softly in the ship, Steal Away. Steal away, steal away, steal away to Jesus. I mean, ah. you know, this is a Negro spiritual that is important to the foundation of Black music in America and becomes the foundation of all the music that we hear today, for me, you know. I'll God long to stay. We have, um, we actually have a recording, right, of James Reese Europe and the Harlem Hellfighters Band's music. Um, uh, take a listen to this. From a 1919 recording, that's the 369th Infantry Regiment Band, led by James Reese Europe with that moaning trombone. Jason Moran is my guest. We're talking, uh, or we will talk in a second, about his new album, From the Dance Hall to the Battlefield, which is a meditation on the life and legacy of James Reese Europe, the early 20th century musician and band leader. Jason, what do you, what do you hear when you listen to that? I mean, listen to that vigor <laughs> jumping out of those instruments. And it was the thing that those that the audiences heard for the first time in France that they thought, wait a minute, how are you all doing that with these instruments? You know, you have to imagine that military band music before that did not have that kind of exuberance. <laughs> it didn't have that kind of uh, that attitude. You know, that's real uptown swagger, as we call it here in New York. <laughs> um, so there's something that they're placing in the rhythm of the music that also is exciting people and lifting people's spirits. So during the war, what music do you really need, you know, to show a community that we're on your side, that we want to help secure your free them, uh, and hopefully help secure ours when we return home. So that music has that that spirit of let's go, you know, let's charge ahead. How's how's the reception for James Reese Europe when he when he goes back home? Oh, you know, the reception is total fanfare. Um, there's an incredible film of his band as they approach New York uh, on the boat and he's conducting them. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes every time I see it. And then once they depart the ship, they have a parade, an enormous parade in New York. 
and they would charge up Fifth Avenue. Now, traffic in Fifth Avenue goes downtown, <laughs> but the, the, the soldiers walked uptown. They walked from 44th Street all the way up to 125th Street in Harlem. And there's accounts that the music that they were playing when they were in Midtown changed dramatically once they got back home to Harlem. Mm. Because just a few years earlier, when they left Harlem in a parade, very few people showed up. The band didn't sound that great. <laughs> and now here they were, you know, coming back home, uh, celebrating the work they had done and the music that they, that had helped save the, the spirit. Um, James Reese Europe's life ends sort of prematurely. Can you can you tell us about that? I mean, it's a tragic death. You know, the band comes back and they make a record, and then they do this extensive tour throughout America. And on their very final tour tour date in Boston, uh, they play half of the concert, and then they have an intermission. And during the intermission, James is backstage greeting guests who want to come visit him. And his drawn of his drummers, he had two drummers in the band who were twins. One of the drummers comes in arguing with James, and it gets so heated that he stabs James in the neck. And James is injured, but says, oh, you know, it, it's okay. He's just, you know, feeling some kind of way. So go finish the concert and pack up the music at the end of the night. I'll go to the hospital. I'll be fine. And he doesn't leave the hospital. He dies that night. And I think... He seems in the account so cavalier because he's seen death and destruction. He's been injured in a war. He knows what a death wound looks like, um, but somehow he just doesn't make it out of there, uh, out of the hospital that night. And and thus we lose one of the great figures in the music. Um, and, and, and it is a, a, a true tragedy. I mean, the thing that's striking me about this conversation is just like it's it's very clear how influential he is. I mean, you talk in the early days about, you know, even that show at Carnegie Hall, how, you know, how there's a codification of black music. Then there's a you know, there's a, there's an insistence on the seriousness of black music. Then mm -hmm. James Reese Europe becomes the first ever um uh, gets the first ever public funeral for a black American in the city mm -hmm. of New York. But Jason, like, I don't know many people who know more about music than you do. And I like. You had to learn about this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have yeah. an answer to why this person who is considered, as you say, one of the big bangs of black music, like just one of the most important musical cultural figures in North American history, mm. why has that story been lost? I think one of the main reasons, especially as a jazz musician who went to jazz you know, high school, I went to jazz summer camp, I went to a music conservatory here in New York City to study jazz, et cetera. But one of the reasons I think he is eliminated is because if you talk about James Reese Europe, you also have to talk about his activism. And there's a kind of standing up that he's doing within his community and demanding of the communities he performs for and lives within, that he's standing up saying, you have to respect us and our traditions that we inhabit. And um, you can't just simply say, oh, it's about these songs and these measures on the on the page, but he's living a lifestyle. You could be mistaken if you if you tuned in kind of halfway through our conversation, Jason, to think that we're talking about like a Ken Burns style documentary that you made <laughs> about James Reese here. But you made a really beautiful album. Um, I spent a lot of time with you yesterday. It's called From the Dance Hall to the Battlefield. It's an album about James Reese here.
just broadly, like, how do you, how do you, in, as a musician yourself, because it's not a covers record, mm-hmm. like, how do you decide to engage with this guy's music and his and his legacy through your own work? Well, with humility, <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of humility, because James Reese Europe is a far more, you know, um, extraordinary leader, and I'm not that. I'm something else. And also, he's dealing with a scale of 125 musicians or 80 musicians. I hey, I'm I'm not that guy. But um, but I think the ideas that I wanted to get across was that he's connected to a lineage. And that his legacy doesn't die with this kind of pre-big band jazz of the 1920s, but that he is the seed of it. So how do we show where those seeds line up, whether it's with the pianist Jerry Allen, who was my great mentor, you know, where does it line up with her music? Where does it line up with Albert Eiler and his the free jazz or free saxophone associations of the 1960s? And where does it align up with kind of abstract electronic music, too? or the music of uh, and the breathing techniques of Pauline Oliveros. I want to have him be in conversation and not be isolated as kind of a museum piece, but more of a thoughtful retrospective of his life. That, that Albert Eiler thing in particular blew me away. I mean, for, for people yeah. who haven't listened to the record yet, there's this song on it, which is called, um, What's Flea is a Bird to Your Mountain. an old song mm. that the that uh, James Reese Europe's regiment I'm, I'm telling you this but you mm. please correct me they would play mm. that when someone would come home dead to the to the battlefield someone would die in the mm-hmm. battlefield and they would play it as sort of like um a dirge I guess you know as, mm-hmm. as they would pass and then you pair it with this really famous free jazz piece called ghosts by Albert Eiler <laughs> you talked about it has like you wanted it to be like the piece of music they played for a death on the battlefield Mm -hmm. but also like the sound of a spirit leaving the body yes and that's it you know and i think albert eiler is also very well aware of james reese europe's legacy he also performed he's also you know enlisted in the war um he also plays a song you know the, the french national anthem you know kind of giving tribute to james reese europe and so i feel like they you know that's the kind of resonance that also needs, I think, needs to happen. It was why I wanted to pair those two together, because they are thinking about a kind of spirituality in the music, too, um, because they know that these are people. They are not notes. They are not instruments, but they are people with histories. And also these people have families that are you know, desiring to see their loved one return from a battle and... You know, we have to think about when we all pass on, what is the sound that we want to echo us on our journey to the next life, uh, whatever we're, wherever we think that is. And Flea as a Bird uh, is a tremendous piece of music that I was so touched to to learn and read about. It is it is beautiful. I want to I want to play one more song, and maybe we'll go out on this one, um, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll, we'll we'll close things off here. I wanted to play your version of um, um, All of No Man's Land. Is ours, which is which is a composition by James Reese Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, and it's also one of the songs that he wrote while he was in battle. I mean, this is a real composer; like he's out in the battlefield with a little portable reed organ, writing melodies. He's in the hospital, recovering from an injury, writing music. <laughs> so he's he's truly doesn't give any boundary to where inspiration comes from, 
And I wanted to, by the end of the piece, I want to reflect on the thought of what is no man's land. In the war, we felt that, you know, they felt that it was, you know, this German line that they had to beat back. Um, but when they returned to America, there's so much no man's lands for African-Americans, you know, even within New York City. And that that no man's land is far wider than the song portrays, you know. It's a really, really beautiful record, Jason. I, I really loved spending time with it yesterday. I encourage people who are listening to this to sort of read the notes on James Reeser while they listen to it. But it, it really is gorgeous. Thanks, thanks for coming on and talking to us about it. My pleasure. Thank you. album from the dance hall to the battlefield that is jason moran and his version of james reese europe's all of no man's land is ours you can find that now on Bandcamp. before that i hope you caught tom power's conversation with jason they were talking about his album that pays tribute to james reese europe early 20th century violinist composer and band leader jason Moran has also curated a new exhibition about Louis Armstrong. It's called Here to Stay, and it just opened this month at the Louis Armstrong Center in New York. All right, that's it for this episode of the podcast, but you can find another new episode in your feed today, right now, as we speak. Uh, I had a conversation with Kathleen Hanna and J.D. Sampson of the band La Tigra, who put out their first album in 1999 and sort of blew up the frame for danceable music that had something to say. They sort of did that out of necessity, as you'll hear in our conversation. They were trying to make a safe space for the queer community, safe space for feminist conversation to happen, and they did that through making very catchy songs that are very danceable. You can find that in your podcast feed. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. See you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.